Have you ever run away from home? A few times? <laughs> well, when you're an adult, it doesn't count. <laughs> Have you ever run away from home when you were a kid? Like, you had enough, something happened, you were so upset, you put all your things in a little sack, tied a, a rope around it, slung it over your shoulder, and said, I'm leaving. Have you ever run away from home? The things get so bad, you run away from home. I remember running away from home as a child. I didn't want to run away from home. The thing is, I got caught doing something bad, so I figured I couldn't come home. The only reason to come home was to get punished, so I decided better run. My friend and I, he used to live uh, uh, next door to me, we, uh, <clears throat> we took what we had and we tried to run. We had enough money to get on the bus, got on the bus, went across town, and we got across town, my brother actually caught up to me and he said, you better get home, you better get home now. I said, no, you don't understand. I'm never coming back. And he said, yes, you will, <laughs> and you're going to get it. So we tried. My friends and I tried. The place where I was born and raised in La Paz was like a fishbowl like this. And uh, we lived near the bottom, and we tried, but you can only go so high. There's no way out of there. And so eventually I had to make my way back home. But I remember being out there, my friend and I, and it was long in the day and thinking, what are we going to do now? We really have nowhere to go. We don't have enough money to get far, and we don't know what to do next. Feeling alone and scared, the only thing I could think of is to go home and be punished. Have you ever run away? Ever had reason to run away? Today's story is about a runaway, and it's found in the book of Genesis. Open up your Bibles, please. We'll start first in Genesis chapter 25. The story today is about, the Bible story today is about a runaway, but he didn't start out that way. We're going to get there why he was running, but for the moment, let's go back to when it all began. It's in chapter 25. I'm going to read quickly so you follow along with me. There's a Bible in the pew right in front of you if you want to follow along and, and check for accuracy because you never know what I might say. Chapter 25 the book of Genesis, beginning with verse 19, and this is what it says. This is the account of Abraham's son, Isaac. And, I, and Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padamaram, and sister of Laban. And Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The, the names might sound familiar. These are uh, familiar names from the biblical story. We have Father Abraham. You know the song? Father Abraham. Yeah, Father Abraham. And then his son, uh, <clears throat> uh, his son Isaac. And the Bible tells us here that Isaac got married to Rebekah at 40 years old. Um, he must have been a young 40, I'm guessing. And he married her, but the Bible tells us that she couldn't conceive. She couldn't have kids. And, 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 and then Isaac began to pray on behalf of his wife. That's pretty cool, gentlemen out there. If you're married, you know you can pray on behalf of your wife. And that means for good things for her, not good things from her. So 
Isaac begins to pray on behalf of his wife. Later we'll find out how long he had to pray, but the Bible tells us that he prayed and God answered his prayer. Isn't that cool? Okay, I'll say my own amen. Amen. God answered his prayer. That's right. God answers husband's prayers as well. And the Bible tells us here that Rebecca became pregnant, verse 22, and the babies jostled each other within her, and she said, what is this, and why is it happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, verse 23, chapter 25, book of Genesis, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. The one people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, Rebecca <clears throat> had not been pregnant before, and I've never been pregnant before, but um, my wife has been pregnant. And I know, uh, like, as an outside observer, when there's a baby in there and the baby begins to kick, it's, um, it's kind of a neat experience. I've, I've put my hand on the belly and had the baby kind of, she'll tell me, oh, it's turning, it's turning, right? Y'all looking at me strange. It happens, right? It happens, right? If you're mom. Oh, 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 she'll say, put your hand right here. The baby's kicking. The baby's kicking. You hear a little, like a little flicker. Um, well, I imagine, like it was for us, when the baby started kicking, Rebecca would have said, oh, isn't that cool? But that's not exactly what's happening in the story. In fact, it's kicking so much that she's like, what's happening? Did you read that? What is happening to me? Um, she did not know. They didn't have ultrasounds back then, of course. So she went to inquire of the Lord, and God said to her these very strange words. He says, there are two nations inside of your womb and two peoples inside of you, within you. And he says, and they will be separated, and one will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And when the time came for her to give birth, this is verse 34, there were twin boys in her womb. Now, there are families in our community that have had twins. I just think it's, I think it's awesome to have twins, right? You get that double stroller, right, right? And you can buy stuff in multiples. I was telling first service that I always wish for twins. I'm just fascinated by the idea of having two completely identical people, but you know that are different. And, um, and we, didn't, we didn't have the honor to have twins. They say it's a whole different kind of experience. Um, but we tried, we dressed Layla and Analia the same for as long as we could. I mean, you know, poor Layla, right? She had to wear these little kitty outfits. Anyway, we wanted to. We wanted to have twins. It's kind of a neat thing. But these twins were not identical twins. Listen to how the Bible describes their birth. Verse 25. And when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. And the first to come out was red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment. And so they named him Esau. It's a fantastic description, right? Because you've been there. I mean, if you're a dad, you're like me. Well, maybe you were there at the, 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 the day of the delivery. And you were there. You're supposed to go, come on, baby, push. And she looks at you like this. Oh, that's just me. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, but anyway, you're supposed to be there, and you're supposed to be encouraging, and, and sometimes let you, you know, take pictures and bring a camera. And then the baby is born, and, um, well, it's beautiful in its own way. Right? 
Uh, it's it, the, the baby's beautiful. It's tiny. It's all squished up. Little tiny hands like this. Eyes aren't open. And 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 then they they clean the baby up. And then they're like, oh, look at your beautiful baby boy. And 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 so when people say, oh oh, you have pictures. Where's the baby? I want to see the baby. Right? When when uh, our youngest son was born, I'm not making this up. We were in the delivery room, and you could hear people in the hallway. They almost walked in on us. Some friends and relatives were so anxious, they were like trying to break in. People want to see the baby. What does it look like? And this is the description. Well, it's red. And his whole body is like a rug. A hairy garment. That's the only way to describe, right? A hairy, like a cloth a hairy cloth, that, that sounds gross even as I think. But it is red for one and covered in hair. I told uh, uh, people at first service that when Layla was born, my oldest daughter, she had no hair. And I was kind of embarrassed because she was a little girl and she had no hair. And so in her first few weeks of pictures, she's always wearing a hat, you know, just because I don't know. I didn't know. Some babies come out with some hair. Asher was born with almost a full head of hair and some babies don't. But this baby didn't just have a little hair. He had a lot of hair. So much hair, they called him a rug. And so they named him Esau, which means hairy. His nickname was probably Rug. <laughs> and the Bible tells us that after this, his brother came out. And his brother came out grasping Esau's heel. So they named him Jacob. And then there's this little aside. And Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. So between the time Isaac began to pray for his wife and the time God answered his prayer is, anybody do the math? 20 years. Isaac prayed for his wife 20 years. Sometimes, friends, prayer requires patience. And God answered this prayer and the two boys grew up. Now notice the description, at birth, and you will see later how very different they were. But at birth, one was Harry, so they named him Harry. And the other one was Jacob, which means grabbing the heel. I guess they're just literal back then. And, and, um, and the boys grew up, verse 27, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. I like that description. I think uh, uh, Esau would have been a perfect, perfect um, actor to be in that, uh, the, the world's most interesting man commercial where, you know, people save his beard clippings. Okay, no one understands that. Okay, fine. Uh, but this description here, the most interesting man in the world, he was a man of the open country. That's just a fantastic description. While on the other hand, Jacob, the brother, was a quiet man who stayed among the tents. And that's kind of like a, a nice way of saying he never went out. And he stayed home close to mama. Bible says Isaac, who had a taste for wild game. Come on. Nobody? Okay. I'm the only one. Uh, I, uh, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau because his son was a skillful hunter. But Rebekah loved Jacob. So two boys, very different in appearance, in personality, in the things that they liked to do, and also in which parent liked which. Now, I don't know about you. I have three kids, so it's... It's impossible for me to get into this game. Oh, you like him because there's always, there's always another one. No, I don't. I like her. 
or like him. So I, I, ne- I can never get caught there. But for these two, it was simple. Your mama's favorite, well, your daddy's favorite. Anybody play that game with you at home? Or did you play that game before? Oh, yes. I hear, but I feel you. I feel you. And it was easy here, the Bible tells us. It was easy for uh, <clears throat> Jacob to be loved by his mom because Esau, Esau was loved by his father. So she probably felt bad for him. And naturally, he stayed at home a lot. So naturally, he was a mama's boy. He stayed close to mom. That's what that means, stayed among the tents. He never went outside. He was probably a little pale, didn't get a whole lot of sun. Who knows what he was doing inside the tents, knitting, crocheting, baking, cooking, scrapbooking. I don't know. While on the other hand, Esau was out there. A man of the open country. You could just feel him. I probably had a long beard. I mean, he was hairy all over, but probably had a long beard. His face was red from the sun, and he was hunting wild game. Very different boys, right? Very, very different. But they each had found a nook, a place in the economy of their household. I'm just going to read the story, okay? Uh, Chapter 25, verse 29. And this is what it says. And once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country. I just, I don't know. I love that. (laughs) The open country. And he came home famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew because I'm famished. And Jacob replied, sure, you can have some. But first, sell me your birthright. Seems innocent enough for us because well, birthright, what's that? We don't really believe in that. But in their culture, to be the firstborn meant that you were entitled to basically the father's name and his legacy and just about everything that he owned. So if you were the firstborn son, you were in a good position. If you're the secondborn son, you were going to be a nobody. They knew this. And even though they were twins, clearly the Bible tells us that Esau, the hairy rug, came out first. And so it was his birthright, and he was naturally fitted for this description. He was a man of the open. I can't say that without stretching my chest. Man of the open country. He was hairy all over and hunted wild game. Naturally, as a father, you would want, that's my son. I can almost hear Isaac saying, that's my boy, and lowering his voice when he said it. Oh, really, what does he do? Well, he, he hunts wild game. So it was natural for him to expect and everyone to believe that Esau was a man of destiny. That he would become great. And in fact, it's very likely that Isaac, his father, would tell him from when he was a child about the great promises God had made to his father, Abraham. You remember? Earlier in Genesis, God spoke to Abraham and he said, I will make you into a great nation. Your descendants will be like the sands of the ocean or like the stars in the skies. And I'm going to bless the entire world through you and your descendants. Abraham spoke this promise to Isaac and Isaac spoke this promise to Esau, his firstborn son. So Esau was aware and he knew what his destiny held. And that's why in this moment, as he comes in, and he's super hungry, and he says, give me something to eat, his brother, his ever-clever brother, decides to pounce on this opportunity. There's probably somebody in your household growing up 
that was like this, very astute a negotiator, knew how to get things from others, right? You may have been that person or the victim of that person in your household. And in this moment, Jacob says, sure, you can have some of my red stew, but first, sell me your birthright. And then Esau says, look, I'm about to die, so what good is a birthright to me? I know, very dramatic, I'm going to die. So I don't care. And, he, and Jacob says, yes, yes, I know, but swear to me first. And so he did. And Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew, and he ate and drank, and he got up and left. Esau forgot about it. He's like, whatever, I just used my brothers, told them whatever I could. But no, but no, Jacob believed he had now gained the birthright. I'm going to continue to read the story <clears throat> in, uh, in chapter 27. So flip the page here. The Bible tells us that when Isaac was old and his eyes were weak, that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and he said, My son, here I, and here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am an old man, and I do not know the day of my death. So get your weapons, your quiver and your bow, go out to the open country and hunt some wild game for me, and prepare for me the kind of tasty food that I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. And to give this blessing would be to, again, confer all these rights and privileges, hand over to him, not just the possessions, but the mantra and the promises. I'm going to bless you, he said. Come on, Esau, do the thing that you do that only you can do, and I'm going to bless you. Verse 5, and now Rebecca was listening. You know, wives can hear everything you say, gentlemen. Doesn't matter if they're not in the room with you. Just, I just want you to know. They might be far away, but be very careful. Rebekah's listening as Isaac spoke to his son. And when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother, Prepare me some tasty food so that I might give you my blessing before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock. Bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Mom said, well, look, I know you've been second all your life, but this is our chance. So go out and give me some food. I'll make goat stew. Sounds tasty, right? Mm, I'll make a goat stew. Is it good? Uh, yeah, not me. Mm. Okay, I'll make goat stew. And she says, and you know I can do it just the way your daddy likes it. And he'll give you the blessing. Must have been some good stew. But Jacob says, Mom, my brother Esau is a hairy man. And I am a man with smooth skin. <laughs> what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse upon myself rather than a blessing. And his mother thought and said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Woo! Just do what I say and go get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother. And she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house. And she put them on her younger son. And she also covered his hands and the smooth parts of his neck with the goat skin. And she, then she handed her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. Mama's smart. That's right. Mamas know how to get things done. 
She made the food and wouldn't waste any of it. Took the goat skin and put it on his arms and upon his neck. And the Bible tells us that Jacob took the food and he went into his father and he said in his deepest voice, My father, yes, my son, who is it? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And Isaac asked his son, well, how did you find it so quickly, my son? And Jacob replied, well, the Lord, your God, gave me success. Whew. Okay, no one else is catching this, so let me fill you in. This is Jacob taking matters into his own hands. Ever done that before? Yes, you've done, I'm sure. All his life, he's felt like he's second, second fiddle, and he's like, I'm sick of it. And his mom says, this is our chance. Except that Jacob knows it's a risky thing. Did you hear him? He's like, I, I, my dad's not going to believe me. If I go in there and I trick him, I'm going to bring a curse upon myself. Mommy says, don't worry, I'll take the curse for you. And now Jacob says, he's not sure, but he takes the stew and he goes in. And his father says, huh, that was fast. How'd you do it? And Jacob says, your God gave me success. In that moment, don't you see what he's doing? He's adding real insult to this moment of deception, bringing God into this. And saying that God gave him this wild game. He's like getting into it deeper and deeper. Ever done that? Like you started with good intentions, but somehow you got yourself into a situation and you don't know really how to get out of it and you don't want to come clean, so you just keep getting messier. Ever happened to you? Started out well, and then before you know it, you're telling one lie to cover another. And Isaac said to Jacob, verse 21, come near to me so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Isaac is suspicious. He should be. And Jacob went close to his father and he touched him and listened to what his father says. The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. That's how hairy he was, like a goat. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother, but he blessed him anyway. Are you really my son, Esau? Can you see what's happening here? The father's confused. He knows something's up. I mean, he's been married to Rebecca for a while, so he's got to know. And it says, are you really my He asked him first. He gave him a couple of chances to come clean. Are you really my son? And Jacob, by this time, here's what you begin to see about Jacob. Yes, so he was the second born. Yes, maybe he wasn't his father's favorite. But by now, you've seen him over and over again. He's a cheater. And a liar. A deceiver. So his dad gives him a chance to come clean. Are you really my son? And he said, I am. Point blank. And then he said, my son, bring me some of the game to eat, so I'll give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him. He ate it. He brought some wine and he drank. Then his father said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. And he went and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, because he was wearing his brother's manly clothes, he blessed him. And he said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. This whole time, as this was happening, Jacob knows what he's doing. 
And you got to understand that he knew well before he went in that this was deceitful and that it would bring him a curse. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and the abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who you bless be blessed. And after Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his presence, his brother came in from hunting. He too prepared some stew and brought it to his father. And he said, Father, sit up. I brought some of my game. Esau walked in to get what was due to him. This was his destiny after all. He was the man of the open country. And he comes up and he says, Father, give me what is mine. But Isaac says, well, who are you? I am your son, your firstborn son, Isaac. And Isaac then realized completely, even though I think he knew that he had been fooled. And he said, who was it then that brought it to me already? Because I already ate just before you got here. And I already blessed him. And the Bible tells us that when Esau heard these words, he burst out with a loud and a bitter cry. And he said, no, Father, bless me. Bless me too. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. He took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he uh, rightly named Jacob? For he has deceived me two times. He took my birthright. Now he's taken my blessing. Haven't you saved anything for me? And Isaac said, I have made him Lord over you. And have made all all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? I got nothing left. Esau said, do you only have one blessing? Bless me too. And this is his father's blessing. Your dwelling will be away from earth's richness and away from the dew. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. Can you believe that? That's the blessing he got. Now how many of you older siblings would like to be told that? That you will be under the thumb of your younger sibling. Well, now you can understand why Jacob decides to run away. Because look what happens next. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. And then I will kill my brother. Now, I have a few brothers. And I must admit, there are times I've been very upset. And yes, I may have muttered these words, but I'm not a man of the open country. (laughs) I wouldn't have the strength or the means to accomplish this task. But clearly Esau can. That's, That's what he does. He hunts wild game. And so he decides he's gonna hunt a smooth animal. I will kill my brother Jacob. And the Bible tells us that Rebecca heard this and said to her son, you've got to run. You've got to run for your life. Now, if you were Jacob, what would you do? One, you would realize, well, you're in the situation because you chose to take matters into your own hands, right? The funny thing is, when Jacob was small, when Jacob was little, you know what his mother told him? His mother repeated to him what God had spoken to her when the babies were still in her room. And this was what God had said. I'll remind you. Two nations are in your womb. 
two peoples will come from within you, and one will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Do you know what God is doing here? He's turning everything upside down because that's how God operates. See, we as humans, we fall into this pattern that we think we understand what's important and what is valid in God's eyes. But more often than not, we're doing the opposite of what God wants. And in this case, and in this particular culture, God is turning things upside down. And he's going to do something that's very foreign to them. He is going to raise up the younger above the older. And he promises that before the babies even come out. So when Jacob was small and his father favored the older brother, his mom probably consoled him with these words. It's okay, my son. God has promised that your older brother will serve you. God has told me this. You know that we waited for you 20 years, but God answers prayer. Amen? And I am sure that his mom told him and consoled him. And yet, when he got older... Jacob would not wait for the promise. Thus, he took matters into his own hand, deceived his brother, and then on his father's deathbed, he lied to him too. Rather than wait for the blessing of God as God had promised, he decided to take matters into his own hands. And so now he's running, running away from home. Yes, he's more than likely a grown man, but he still lived with mom. It is she who is protecting him. And now she says, I can't do anything for you, son. You've got to go. And the Bible tells us that he ran. He ran. First, his father blessed him. And he said, don't marry a woman from around here. Go find a wife back where your family's from. And Jacob runs away from home. And Esau is bent on killing him. And as he's running, the Bible tells us, chapter 28, that when he left, he came to a place along his journey. He's, he's got nothing, none of the blessing, none of the inheritance, everything that he was after from his father, everything that, that, that his father had promised that he would give him, everything that would be now rightfully his because he'd received the blessing, but unrightfully his because it was never for his to claim on his own in the first place. He's got nothing of that. He's on his own. He's alone. He's away from home. You know he doesn't like to leave the tents, but now he's on the run. And the Bible tells us that he comes to a place and he's tired and he takes a a, a stone and lays it under his head to sleep. Verse 12, chapter 28. And he had a dream while he's sleeping in which he saw a stairway resting on earth and its top reaching heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. It was like he's having this dream that the messengers of God are coming and bringing and taking words from heaven and to heaven. And there, above this stairwell, stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And then he speaks to Jacob and he says, and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are now sleeping. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the east and to the west, to the north and to the south. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. You recognize that promise? It's the exact same promise made to Abraham. And God continues, and I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. Can you believe that? It's hard to believe because Jacob is the most unlikely recipient of this promise. Just think about what he's doing. He's a liar. He's a cheat. He's not a man of the open country, and he's hairless. 
He is the most unlikely candidate for the story, right? The natural choice would have been Esau. But God comes to Jacob, and I don't know if you've noticed, he hasn't repented of any of his wrongs yet. But God comes to Jacob anyway, and he says, I will be with you, and makes this amazing promise. Wherever you go, I will be with you, and I will watch over you. And as I listened to that, it blew me away. That God would come to a sinful, deceiving man and make such a promise. But here's the thing. That's how God operates. Do you know that if we paid attention to our stories, our own lives, none of us would be worthy of the blessing. In fact, most of us can identify more with Jacob. We have tried and tried and tried to secure God's blessing for ourselves. We have, I have, taken matters into my own hands. I have been impatient with God's blessings, his promise of blessings. I have time and time again tried to make my way into something that God has promised to give me, but I am impatient in waiting for it. And yet, even though I am a liar and a cheat and unworthy, God still comes and makes this promise. I will be with you wherever you go, and I will watch over you because that's who God is. In the middle of the most difficult moments where we find ourselves, even running away from trouble, God will not abandon us. His promise is not for us because we deserve it. His promise is for us because he wills it, because he chooses us when we do not deserve to be chosen. He is, Jacob, the most unlikely chosen. Friends, you and I, you and I are also chosen. Despite everything that you know about yourself, every weakness that has come to the surface, despite every mistake that you've made, even if in this moment you're in a season of sorrow, in a season of running away, Hear these words. God speaks them to you just as surely as he speaks them to Jacob. I am with you, and I will watch over you wherever you go. God loved us first. He loves us in spite of us. God is not bound by who we are in the present. In the present, Jacob is a a liar, a cheat, a puny little man running away from his problems. But in the future, as you will see, God has something prepared. And so if you find yourself living in a present of insignificance, of sorrow, of pain, and of hurt, if you find yourself even in this moment bound by this present, know and remember that God is still with you, that his promises are still true for you, doesn't matter how you got here. All you need to know is that there's a future that God has reserved for you. And if we patiently wait and trust him, God will indeed bless us. God will indeed multiply those blessings for us. I am with you. Wherever you go, I will be with you. And I will watch over you.
May God bless you with that promise.